Mansana Fest marks 10 years of making Carlo feel better. Article by Michael Tracy. The Mansana Festival celebrates 10 years of promoting positive mental health in Carlo this year. The long-running event has supported well-being through talks and activities and by offering help and information. Showing its resilience despite COVID-19, it will run again from Friday to Sunday, the 7th to the 9th of October, with 15 events, including a talk by rugby pundit Brent Pope. Mansana was established by the Carlo Mental Health Association in 2011 and is run by a small band of committed volunteers. Speaking of its impact, volunteer Joe Donahue said, With people coming in through the door and their reaction to the Carlo Mental Health Association, it's led us to believe that it's really been successful. When we started with this, people did not want to be associated with a mental health festival. The festival has been breaking down stigmas and generating discussion in Carlow over the last decade. One of its biggest annual draws is a pop-up rainbow cafe. It was a great social outlet, but some people also came in for information about mental health services. Others who came in at a time of crisis were helped too. In one of the pop-ups, Joe recalls that a woman came in with a Mensana brochure with a number of highlighted events she wished to attend. The woman was a carer for an ill family member as well as a mother to small children. The talks were a lifeline to her at a time of great stress. It just makes it so worth it that people are getting something from it, said Joe. Over the years, the festival has run just about anything you can think of, from yoga and fishing to ballroom dancing classes. People might say, what does ballroom dancing have to do with mental health, said Joe. It's about getting out and trying something different, about connecting with new people and about being physically active. There have been talks on anxiety, resilience, parenting, addiction, LBGT and mindfulness. Guest speakers have included Dr. Eddie Murphy, singer Francis Black, Dr. Coleman Nocter, former rugby international Alan Quinlan and retired prison governor John Lonergan. The festival was initially a gamble by the Carlo Mental Health Association. It was not known how it was going to be received and some businesses and agencies were reticent about getting involved. However, the Carlo Mental Health Association was open to doing things a bit differently. They were a group of like-minded volunteers from different backgrounds. The association was founded by Irene Ryan, a mental health nurse in St. Dimpna's. Traditionally, mental health associations focus on those engaged in mental health services, but the Carlo Group decided to concentrate on mental needs of the wider public. A year before Mansana's first outing, the association held a successful family fun day at St. Dimpna's Hospital. At that stage, a few mental health festivals had been held in Ireland, but Mansana's engaging approach made it a success. There was a youth-focused cupcake and chat meeting, a barrow walk with RTE's John Murray, a talk on happiness and a Mary Amond O'Brien-led singing event. There wasn't a festival like it, said Joe. We have a real variety of events. 
Organisers knew they had something special on their hands in the second year, with more people and groups eager to get involved, and it has grown from there. This year, the festival will run 15 events due to COVID-19, and most of them will be live-streamed on Mensana's Facebook page. Small numbers will be invited to events at Angardine Bio, with the headline, A Talk by Brent Pope. As part of this year's celebration, Carlo Mental Health Association's new website, www.carlomentalhealth.ie, will be launched by Junior Minister Mary Butler. The current chairperson is Kathleen Chada, and Joe said Mensana would continue into the future. If people keep asking for the events we run, we will keep running it, she said. The festival organisers would like to thank all who have supported Mensana over the years, as well as the Mental Health Association. It never would have been a success unless people voted with their feet and attended them or shared information on Facebook, said Joe. Thanks also goes to local individuals and businesses who have donated or raised funds for it, while bodies such as Carlo Development Partnership, the HSC, Carlo County Council and Carlo Regional Youth Services have all been great supporters and helped to secure funding. 100-year-old newspapers provide raw material for a new book on Kevin Barry. Treasure trove found in attic by Carlo relative of the revered teenage martyr. Article by Charlie Keegan. In late July 2020, Michael Moriarty took one final look in the attic of his late mother's house in Tinnock, Kiltegan, on the Carlow-Wicklow border. His mother, Dorothy Dot Moriarty, had passed away in April of this year on Holy Thursday. Now Dot has become the vehicle for a book written by her son Michael on the final days and execution of her first cousin, the patriot Kevin Barry. Dot's father, Michael Dowling, and her aunt, Mary Barry, Kevin Barry's mother, were brother and sister. The book, titled What It Said in the Papers, The Execution of Kevin Barry, goes on sale this week. Dot was born on the 4th of August, 1920. Her life overlapped with that of Kevin Barry by just under three months. The Patriot was executed by Crown Forces in Mountjoy Jail on the 1st of November, 1920. Dot was born in Drumgween, Hackettstown, County Carlow, close to Tom Bay, Hackettstown, where Kevin Barry lived for much of his earlier childhood. Her aunt, Mary Barry, Kevin's mother, was born and reared in Drumgween. The Dowling and Barry families were both from farming stock. Michael told the Nationalist, Without my mother Dot, this book would not have happened. Last July, some months after Dot died, I checked the small attic of her house in Tinnock one last time. Nothing remained but a pile of newspapers at the back of the attic, which we all assumed had been used for packing. When I retrieved that faded bundle of newsprint, I discovered a treasure trove of Irish national and local newspapers from the period the 20th of October to the 12th of November 1920. Who had kept these newspapers, and why? The dates provided the clue to what I had already suspected. 
someone in 1920 had compiled these newspapers because they contained articles on the last days and execution of Kevin Barry. There were 24 newspapers in all, copies of the Freeman's Journal, Evening Herald, Irish Independent, Evening Telegraph, The Weekly Freeman and The Nationalist and Leinster Times. I can only surmise the newspapers were given to my mother by her father or some other relative and she put them in her attic to be forgotten for decades. These historical newspapers, now 100 years old, were never mentioned by my mother or father, the late John Moriarty, historian, teacher and politician. I noted the story of Kevin's tragic execution at the young age of 18 was shared with the death of another patriot, Terence McSweeney, Lord Mayor of Cork. Terence McSweeney had died in Brixton Prison on the 25th of October 1920 after 72 days on hunger strike. His funeral on Sunday the 31st of October attracted worldwide attention and huge crowds lined the streets for the funeral cortege. His burial was held on the day before Kevin Barry's execution in Dublin's Mountjoy Prison. The national newspapers on the 1st of November 1920 carried photographs of the funeral side by side with stories of the desperate attempts by the Lord Mayor of Dublin, the Archbishop of Dublin and other public figures at home and abroad to secure a reprieve for Kevin. By the time the newspapers were on the streets on Monday the 1st of November, Kevin Barry had been hanged in Mountjoy Prison. The newspapers I discovered highlight the shocking events in a violent war across every county of Ireland. There are heartbreaking reports of shootings, maimings, reprisals, burning of properties, villages and towns, all of which are disturbing to read. Atrocities were carried out by both sides in a bitter, exhausting struggle, destined to result in the emergence of a new nation. It was the 1916 uprising which changed the course of Irish history. The execution of 16 of the Rising's leaders changed the mood of the people of Ireland, who were aghast at the daily news of these executions. The rebellion's executed leaders became venerated as martyrs and were soon lamented in poetry and song. They were viewed as brave, heroic individuals who had given their lives so that Ireland could at last secure political freedom. Four years after their execution, Kevin Barry faced his own death with that same attitude of martyrdom. He was happy to die for Ireland and his mother expressed that same view many times after his execution. In the newspaper reports reproduced in my book, readers will see that religious fervour and faith were equally dominant in the story of the final days of the life of Kevin Barry. The reports show a person of deep faith and belief in Christ as his saviour. Those priests who attended his execution in Mount Joy vividly detail the depth of his faith as he faced his own death. In a country of deep religious devotion, the piety of young Kevin Barry resonated with many, who saw him as another martyr for Ireland. The fact that he died on the Christian festival of the Feast of All Saints, All Saints Day, was not overlooked and was highlighted in some newspaper reports of the execution. 
The story of Kevin Barry, just a lad of 18 summers, was recounted in the song Kevin Barry, which was composed shortly after his death by an unknown author. The song and its popularity made Kevin Barry a household name down through the decades since his execution. Michael Moriarty observed, Those of us who grew up in the local area near his Tom Bay home in County Carlow knew that we had a heroic martyr who had lived among us. My mother told us many stories about Kevin, as many of her siblings remember him helping with farm work. In 1958, my father, John Moriarty, led a group that erected the monument to Kevin, which still stands on Rathvilly Village Green. The story of Kevin Barry's execution at the age of 18 still lives on, and this book will hopefully sustain his memory for future generations. The reproduced newspaper articles provide vivid, emotionally charged reports of the final days of Kevin's life and his execution. In reading them, the reader will feel the past has become the present, and that you were a witness to the events recounted. Kevin Barry was the fourth of seven children of Tom and Mary Barry from Tom Bay. He had one brother, Michael, who inherited the family farm in Tom Bay, while Kevin went to study medicine. They lived at 8 Fleet Street, Dublin, where Tom operated a dairy with his sister Judith. When Tom died in 1908, Mary and her younger children moved to Tom Bay to manage the farm while the older children remained in Fleet Street with Judith. This is when Kevin attended Rathvilly National School between 1911 and 1914, where he was taught by the folklorist and historian Edward O'Toole. Michael states, Mary Dowling, Kevin's mother, came from a farm in the neighbouring townsland of Drumgween, where my mother was also born and reared. Michael confirmed that the Barry family, particularly Neave and Michael, had been very helpful and supported his book from the outset. The author commented, As the reader will see, there are other forgotten heroes who compiled these exceptionally detailed reports. We never knew their names. They were all identified as correspondent. But they were the witnesses to what happened during the last weeks of Kevin's life. Their reports are so detailed and emotional that I believe they need to be opened up to today's generation, having been forgotten for decades, except for academic researchers. I do not think anyone else has brought these together as I have done in this book. I want our generations to read exactly what previous generations read, and in doing so they will be transported back in time. Michael Moriarty asks himself the question, why did I compile this book? His answer, I felt almost compelled. Isn't it strange I should find these newspapers a few months after my mother died, and a few months before the centenary of Kevin's execution by hanging in Mountjoy Prison? I think both their spirits motivated me, and I am really happy that this 78-page book will be available throughout County Carlow and surrounding counties or from www.hillglenspublishing.ie. Michael and the Barry family are involved with the Kevin Barry Commemoration Committee in Rathvilly, which will unveil a life-size statue of Kevin on Sunday, the 1st of November, 
100 years to the day after Kevin's execution. What it said in the papers, the execution of Kevin Barry, is selling in outlets at €7 Euro or €9 Euro online, includes postage.